welcome, welcome, welcome. It's another great week edition of the Watkins Award. You have none other than Coach T. Tate and his right hand guy. Hey, everybody, Pearsaw. How you doing there, Mr. Pearsaw? Good evening, Coach Tate. I'm doing well. Fired up, baby. Fired up. Oh. I've been resting all weekend, and I got both guns blazing. I'm ready. Wow, you got both guns blazing. Man, you should. You know, this is the, this is the 32nd week of the, you know, the Watkins Award, man. I mean, can you believe it? 32 editions, man. This thing is two editions. Are you serious? 32. 32. 32, man. I mean, look, it's been wild. I mean, it's been wild. And I've enjoyed the ride. You know, the only part that I don't enjoy, you know what that is. Do I need to remind you? Okay. You know, but because we got somebody in common. (laughs) That is holding up, who, who's holding my joy up. It's, my joy is being held up by none other than Matt Daniels. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, can you believe the Watkins Award? The Watkins Award. Let's jump right in it. I mean, first of all, I want to stop. I like that shirt you got on there. Hey, I mean, man. I mean, is it any kind of way that I can get something like that? I mean, it, it looks nice. Mr. Yeah. Tate. We have your size, we have your color, we have your length, we have your height. All you have to do is say so. If you go on our website at NAAAA.com, that's N as in Nancy, followed by 4As.com, you can see what we have available on our illustrious website in terms of apparel, merchandise, cups, mugs. But, but, if there's an item that you've seen me wear on the show or something that you would like to have customized, you can put in a, a customized order and we can actually create that for you. And so we have a couple of different ways. Obviously, a customized item may just take a couple of days longer, but you'll get your merchandise and you'll love it. Are you kidding me? I can get a customized shirt. I get a polo shirt with the Alliance logo on it. Like you always have these nice embroidered Alliance logos. I can get that. You can get that. You can get that. Go to our website again, naaaa.com, and we'll take care of it. Man, I I mean, this is blowing me off the this blowing me off the hinges right now. Now, here's something I want to I I, I want to ask you know you about, and you know we do the Watkins Award, but you know what? I always always almost forget that I got to do a disclaimer. Because you know this disclaimer is very important. Because I don't want anyone to get in trouble with the kind of stuff we be talking about. Because people say, ain't no way, you know, it just ain't true. You know, them, them two, they've been drinking too much Gatorade, you know, whatever the case may be. But first of all, the views and opinion of J. Everett Pearsall and myself are our views. They don't have anything to do with the alliance. The Watkins Award, because I don't want people to say, well, everybody around the Watkins Award believe in what those guys believe in. And, of course, BBS Radio, any of our sponsors, advertisers, nobody, nobody, 
deserves to get in trouble with our views and opinion. So let's let's start there. Now, moving along, Mr. Pierce. So the Watkins Award. Let's talk about the Watkins Award itself. Because, you know, sometimes people may think you're not looking. I mean, some guy that lives in, you know, not in a big city. I mean, not in a big city. So is this Watkins Award for some guy that just happened to have a more talent that lives in a small city, maybe in the Midwest or out west somewhere? This is a national award. It is the premier African-American scholar athlete in the country. And I have to tell you, as evidence in the individuals that you've seen on this show, and if you go to our website, you can get an exhaustive list of the individuals that we've honored. If you have the talent, the grades, but more importantly, the character and the aptitude to give back to your community, we'll do our very, very best to find you. Uh, as you know from past shows as well, because we know that we have a pretty exhaustive following. I'll repeat myself, and those of you who have heard it, please just indulge us for this 30 seconds. At the end of the day, uh, we're nominating the top football players, basketball players, and baseball players in the country. And then they have to compete for the Watkins Award. So if you fit the category of being the best in those areas, believe me, We'll find you and we'll get you a package that will give you the ability to compete. And I know that you'll do an introduction, but this show today is an example of the fact that wherever you are, we'll find you. Well, so you're trying to tell me, you you know, you like to go to them big cities like Dallas. Uh, of course, you're around the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, New Jersey, Florida, you know, places down in Florida, California, you gallivanting, you know, going to all these different places around Pennsylvania. So you telling me in a small town in one of these states that we don't talk about, you willing to make a trip into the, into those places, Mr. Pierce? Absolutely. Let me tell you that my statistics are going to be a little off. But about 80%, at least in the sport of football, of those players um, that likely would be individuals that would be considered some of the top players in the country are out of just a few states. And I'll name a few of them, and I'll leave one out again. Someone on the show is going to point out that I missed one. But if you look at Florida and California and Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio, the DMV uh, area, essentially you're going to have most of those athletes. But, again, you're mistaken if you think that we're just looking for good athletes. The Watkins Award is not about athletics. It's about the best African-American athletes in the country displaying the fact that they're the best students and the best community servants in the communities that they've grown up in and the communities that they serve. And so these individuals, we're not narrowing our list down to any particular state or any particular city. We're going wherever they are, letting them know the significance of who they are so that they have the capability of competing for this award and having an individual that we can hold up to people all over the world now because of the internet. When I first started, it was hard to get someone outside of the audit elementary school auditorium to recognize what we were doing. But now, after 30 years and the internet and social media, these individuals are being held up all over the world, and we want people to know how great they are and how much of a leader that they are 
at the age of 17. And this show has gone on to show many of you how great they are their entire lives. Well, you know, I, I do have to point out, Mr. Pierce, uh, you did miss one state. You did miss one state. Georgia. I don't want to get in on that. Okay. Let's, let's, let's I told you, I'm just spitting them out. I'm not reading this. This is coming no, off the top of my head. I know, so Georgia, I know Georgia was on the list. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about Florida. Florida being number one at producing football players. And Georgia being number two. And Texas being number three. California number four. And everybody else just falls in line. Right. Uh, and then when you talk about basketball, then you start talking about the Northeast, and then you talk about Chicago, and, and there are many other places as well. But again, each sport has pockets of athletes, and, and, uh, and certainly, uh, although I have those statistics uh, readily available to me at most times, I don't have it sitting in front of me now. So don't want to offend any state, uh, certainly, but the, the notion that there are just a few states that really have a large um, concentration doesn't really affect our search at all. We're looking all over the country, and uh, when we had our guest on last week and Luke Powell, we talked about the fact back in 1999, we covered every corner of the country. Well, you know, and, and again, I don't want to get myself in trouble with some of my good friends on the West Coast. They're going to say, you didn't speak up for California when they started talking about basketball. So I'm speaking <laughs> up for, the, for my good friends and coaches and athletes out there in California. But given that, Mr. Pearsall, so you don't have no shame in your game going into these little remote areas to see not only the talent and the academics, but the character of these kids. I mean, what kind of character are you looking at? Because you got a board. You, you got a, a board of individuals who look this over. So talk about your board, Mr. Mr. Pierce, and what they doing. And so it's not a board. Again, we do have a, a, a board of directors and all of our board of directors are membered and located all over the country. We have a nominating committee, uh, which within the next week will give us the list of individuals uh, that we'll be uh, sending out packages to by the end of this month. And those individuals that are a part of the nominating committee are located all over the country, have been working in athletics for decades and continue to scour the earth uh, for individuals that fit the athletic mold for which, who should be considered a Watkins Award candidate. Uh, but then we have a selection committee. Now that selection committee, all those individuals, in fact, most of them have nothing to do with sport. They're professors, right? They're people, they're professionals. Um, they're people who really have different disciplines with which they operate, but again, have the aptitude to be able to go through the packages which are exhaustive that we ask these individuals to put together in order to figure out who are the five individuals that we'll be honoring on a given year. So hold, hold on for a second, back up. But, but I want you to rewind just a few seconds. Are you trying to tell me, you say in a few weeks, they're going to be sending out packages. So are you telling me 2022, unlike 2021, that there's something going on with the Watkins Award? Oh, the Watkins Award is going to be back on and popping this year. March the 12th, 2022, we'll be back in effect. COVID won't hold us down. Technology will allow us to be able to have an event, and we'll make it the best event ever. 
I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the start of the season, but you're absolutely right. We will be going through our process. Uh, we'll be going through our process in the way that we have in the past in such, an, in such a way that we'll be able to have an event in March 12th of 2022. Holy cow. So if someone feels like they are missing or someone wants to be ahead of the, the, the curve, they can also go to the website and make a nomination or nominate themselves, correct? Absolutely. So if you go to the website and just send it to, uh, uh, there's a button on the website that says contact us. If you contact us and give us as much information as you can about an individual whom you think should be considered for the Watkins Award, that information is immediately forwarded over to the nominating committee. And that nominating committee then holds the authority to make the decision on whether they should be among the list of individuals who become nominees for this year's award. And again, they have never served me wrong. And so that individual uh, can also see what the the cursory um, requirements are for a nomination, correct? The history and everything about the Watkins Award is located on our website. And the website? And as a Nancy, followed by 4As.com, N-A-A-A-A.com. And still can also make donations and get that, that T-shirt you have on right there. That button is bigger and brighter than ever. First thing you see is the ability to donate and support. And they can go by and listen to all of the former, well, after today, they can listen to 32 shows. They have 32 individuals that they can go to and listen to their stories and how they find themselves in a position to be a Watkins honoree. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. There are stories, there are articles, there are all types of information that is located there that'll give them everything that they need to try to get the background and appropriate information for them to determine um, whether an individual should be on a nominee. Before they even send that information, they should be able to get a good grasp of what we're all about. Well, I, I will say to you, Mr. Pearsall, I had a great joy to watch TV this weekend and to see some of the former Watkins honorees, and I shouldn't say former, just some of the Watkins honorees on TV. I mean, did you watch some of the games this weekend? And and I think you probably went to a game knowing you. Did you go to a game this weekend? No, no, no. Next, this weekend will be the launch of the Watkins Games of the Week. And so oh. this weekend will be the first time that I'll actually go out and be able to see the 20-plus individuals that we have participating in college football. But I did get a chance to see two games this weekend, and I uh, got the chance to see Duke, of which Mateo Durant rushed for 200 in 55 yards, unfortunately in the loss, uh, but at Duke University. And so he showed his tail a little bit, exciting uh, breakout performance uh, by a Watkins individual. And then I obviously saw that Georgia Clemson game. You know, I had that one posted up and wanted to make sure I got back to uh, my hotel room before that started. And I got an op opportunity to see N'Kobe Dean show his tail with two sacks and a def defensive battle uh, where they pulled out a victory against Clemson whereby we also have a Watkins individual in Justin Foster. And so, yeah, we're all over the screen and we'll be even more so uh, this weekend. There's probably not a time that a college football game is on that
that at some point you won't be able to flick to a particular channel and find a Watkins Award individual participating? Well, I did get a chance to see a game myself. Um, and I, I, I had to, you know, keep uh, busting up my schedule, but I, I got a chance to see uh, Isaiah Pry. And interesting story, you know, about him and being at Notre Dame now. So, um, you know, again, people need to understand that these guys are pursuing, man, I guess the, the ultimate in education where he finished at Ohio State and now he's working on his graduate degree at Notre Dame and playing on the football team. Absolutely. So, and in fact, I believe if not finished by the end of the semester, will be finished with his master's degree, uh, yeah. postgraduate degree, which is absolutely incredible. Again, to be graduating or participating in college sports and finishing up your your postgraduate degree already. I believe he graduated from Ohio State in three years, almost a little less than three years. He did in three yeah. years. Uh, and I'm looking, I, I'm I'm looking to uh, possibly see him pursue his doctorate degree. I mean, who knows what may uh, be his future in the NFL, but clearly. He understands a no-cut contract by going to get a PhD. So uh, just an extraordinary young man. So your game of the week, you talk, you have game of the weeks. Now you're going to have to start listing those game of the weeks on the website. So what's your game of the week coming up? USC Stanford out in Los Angeles. That's where I'll be. Holy cow. Holy cow. Well, I just want those to – know that a lot of times when I get here, you know, I put the stadium of the individual who is coming on the show. Uh, today, today, this individual is coming on the show is one of those ones where I know you, I mean, your GPS probably didn't work going, going out to see him. We're going to find out. But, you know, clearly the stadium behind me, I know for a couple of weeks, they were probably thinking that I'm camping out in Palo Alto. Well, I'm in <laughs> Utah now. And I'm at, you know, BYU Stadium, uh, none other than Brigham Young University. I mean, man, these guys are going to every major Power Five school under the sun. Now, you know, they just kind of really get this thing going. And before I start, I just want to give a shout out to uh, ExoticCarSharing.com, always JMA uh, Solutions. Uh, our good friends at J.C. Lofton's uh, Auto Quick Move, you know, the guy Magic Waste, uh, Valet. And then, you know, there was something a young man tried to bring to my attention. I, I'm I'm going to have to try to find it. Um later on, but it's a nonprofit that wants us to, to work with them. So uh, they do a lot of work with the veterans. So I'll, I'll find out the information and try to remember before the show is over with. Uh, but clearly, you know, all of our sponsors, uh, everybody who's involved with what we do, Joe at uh, Joe's Crab Pot, uh, of all places in Eufaula, Alabama. I get to these little small towns too, Mr. Pearsall. Get me a little something to eat. But, you know, you, you talk about these games of the week. So the game of the week this week 
you are going to be out in California. That's going to be quite a game. That's a that's a pretty big game, uh, Mr. Pearsaw. But here we got a young man that's going to be coming in, Richard Wilson. I mean, man, I, I, I mean, I always talk about these young men, and I know people are probably saying I'm lying. You know, these kids can't be that that well mannered. You know, with all of the 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 negative news that you see on TV, you listen to on the radio, and of course, you got the internet that really has closed the gap now. The social uh, media gets the news out real fast. But, you know, this young man, you know, just takes it to a whole nother level. He's a 2009 honoree. Of all places, of all places, I mean, do you know what kind of player he had to be in order for you to find him in Spanish Fork, Utah? Now, I never even heard of Spanish Fork, Utah. Now, I've heard of Utah. I've flown over it several times. Finally got a chance to get into it. But my goodness, Spanish Fork, Utah. Now, this stadium behind me, and I'm going to ask him the questions. This stadium behind me seats almost 64,000 people. Now, in Spanish Fork, there's only 39,000 people there. That's today. Back when he was coming through, there probably was no more than about 28, 29,000. But the stadium is twice the amount of the population in his hometown. So you, but for you to find this guy, it shows me that you do anything to find the best talent. And he was one of the top tight ends in the Matter of fact, he was number four on the list. I mean, one of the top. So, and he was listed everywhere. You name a recruiting magazine, website, whatever you want to name. I mean, his name was everywhere, and he was he was all state, everything. It isn't nothing I can say about any of these guys that's going to be unique, uniquely different in terms of their athletic or academic credentials. But what becomes a little unique is the characteristics of these guys. Every human being is different in their own way. Richard is special, man. I mean, I guess to be from Utah, you got to be special. I mean, this, this dude, but, and when I say special, he is the ultimate young man like all of them. But his personality, man, is really unbelievably uh, attractive. I mean, he's just a good kid, man. I put a picture of him up on my website. So he's handsome. Of course, he's he's athletically built. But man, his personality just shoots to a whole nother level. And, and he and I had a chance to spend some time. And of course, of course, back in, I guess, 2011, I'm wearing a shirt, a BYU football <laughs> shirt that Richard gave me, Mr. Pearsaw. 
I don't see you with your BYU shirt on, Mr. Pearson. You know, so I got one up on this one. I'm just bright today, baby. I'm just nice neon bright today, baby. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, I just want to know is, is, uh, now, Richard was recruited by all the major schools. So let's, let's be clear on that. But we're going to talk about, is Richard with us now? Yes, sir. Well, Richard Wilson, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh man, you know what? I'm doing. I'm doing super fantastic. When I see man, you, your face and your personality is like hitting the lottery, man. I have hit the Utah lottery. <laughs> I am on cloud nine right now. I'm on cloud nine. So, Richard, you know, I ask all the guys pretty much the same question because everybody has their own story. But one of the common pieces of those stories when there are a mom and or dad that's in their life, they, you know, I always want to know, what was it like in the Wilson household when you were in grade school? I mean, did you just hit your head on a rock in the ninth grade and say, I want to be a scholar athlete? Or were you always focused on being a great athlete and an extraordinary student? Yeah, for me, I mean, my parents, you know, they they really pushed education at a young age. That it was important that I get, you know, my schoolwork done, do my homework before I did anything else. Uh, Athletics was just kind of a thing that that happened as I I got huge. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I played a lot of baseball growing up, and that was probably my favorite sport, but... When I was a freshman and I was six two and two hundred pounds, the football coaches came knocking. So, <laughs> well, you know, you now when you say you know you played baseball and then all of a sudden you picked up football, but you in Utah, I mean, you don't hear a lot about high school football in Utah, and we talk about you one of the top tight ends in the country. So what was going on when you was a freshman in high school in a night? So you playing baseball and you playing football as a freshman. So what's going? What what position did you play when you was playing baseball? I mainly just played outfield. Okay. So yeah, what's going on? What what's going on with the football side? The football side was kind of just. I felt like I was kind of awkward and uh, didn't really grow into myself until I was a little older. And then once I started playing football and started playing at that high school level. I just fell in love with it and they really didn't know where to put me because I growing up, I was always a lineman because I was too heavy. Okay. I never played any skill position. Uh, I actually missed my freshman uh, football tryouts because I was on a family vacation. And so when I showed up, the coach had me listed as tackle. And <laughs> I said, well, I'll race, I'll race the fastest guy on the team. And then if, if I, if he beats me, I'll play, I'll play tackle. He didn't beat me. So they put me, they put me a tight end. <laughs> you were running that fast as a freshman that oh, you'd be yeah. the fastest guy on the team? Yep. Holy cow. So, okay, you moved through your freshman, sophomore, junior year. Now you on everybody's radar. And I want the audience to know, you, I mean, you were being recruited by LSU, Utah, Miami, Tennessee, Boise State, of course, Stanford. You had the grades, man. You had the athletic ability. Everybody 
normally says, man, I'm going to Stanford. I'm leaving home. I'm going here. I'm going there. How was BYU able to keep you at home? Uh, the biggest thing for me was they had a huge list of tight ends that had done great things in college and gone on to the NFL. I think the year that I was being recruited by BYU, they, they had Dennis Pitta, who had like 96 receptions that year. He went on to play for the Ravens and, and got hurt, but he won a Super Bowl there with them. And so there was just a huge history of how they've used the tight ends at BYU in the past. And I figured, why not go there? I get to stay and play in front of all my friends and family while, you know, playing in this traditional offense through the ball to the tight end all the time. Sure. So, okay, you in, you in high school, you're being recruited. I know we're just in Utah, but there are all kind of traps that you can fall into in Utah. How do you stay focused to be an elite athlete and, an, uh, and certainly a scholar student? Well, once I started being recruited, like, I then started to, like, realize, like, okay, oh, my grades really do matter. <laughs> my parents weren't just messing around. <laughs> so, you know, I, I really focused in school to get the best grades possible. Um, you know, I think I graduated like a 3.9 GPA from high school. I think I had one A minus through the four years of being there. So actually some of the early recruiting letters I got were from like Dartmouth and Penn. And wow. just because I think of my grades. Right, right. So well, then... Go ahead. Realized that football was you know, something that could be a, a, a tool for me. I really just put all my – I quit every other sport, put all my focus into football and school and training, and that's kind of, you know, what led me to be where I was at at that point in my life. Well, it, it's, so you walk from this, you know, this uh, – Everett and I was just talking about it. Your, your uh, Fork Union right now in the population, I, I – I look up Spanish all this. Spanish fork. <laughs> fork Union. But I'm thinking Fork Union up in Virginia. I'm sorry. Uh, Spanish Fork, uh, Utah. I mean, first of all, I was asking ever, how do you find people in these little small towns? But your athleticism was so high. Oh, it was easy for him to find you. But in a town of 39,000, how did you make the transition from high school to BYU where the stadium is twice the size, the population of your hometown, man? When you walk in that stadium, what, what's going on in your mind, man? Does it does it frighten you? I mean, what's going on? No, that's what I love about football is playing in front of a crowd and you know, feeding off their energy. So, I mean, I've been to games and stuff like that all over. I actually grew up a Utah fan. So we didn't really have any any ties to BYU growing up. So it was very weird that I, I did sign with BYU, <laughs> a big rivalry there. Um, but, you know, that, that's, part of the, that's part of the reason you love it. You love running out in front of those crowds and, you know, feeding off their energy and just having a great time. So it, it, that was the easy part. So you, you there, ultimately, like a lot of football players, we know typically, you know, injuries is a part of the game. But you get a you, you you get a pretty bad injury, and so how do you how do you program your mindset with this injury and not lose the focus in the classroom or the opportunity to possibly come back? Because some just give up and say, "Man, forget it." The the, the people who listen to our show, 
A lot of them are young kids. They really don't know what to expect. Their parents are pushing and pushing and pushing. They want their kids to go to a school like BYU. But you got to be careful what you ask for. But how do you keep the focus on school and the mindset that, hey, I'm going to get another opportunity to get back out here on the football field? Yeah, that was tough. That was really hard. That I blew my knee out, I think, October 18th, 2011. I think our fifth or sixth game up against Oregon State. Um, had a really good team that year. I was off to a good start, and all of a sudden, my knees shot in a game up there. Uh, so that was hard because I'd, I'd just come off of shoulder surgery Ooh. in January of that year. I played my freshman year with an injured shoulder, came back got that healthy feel like I worked my butt off and all of a sudden it was like happening all over again so that was really hard for me to process and you know I think that just the support system I had around me is what really got me through that to you know hey you got to stay on top of your grades uh you can't let them fall behind even though you're going to miss a few weeks get in front of your professors let them know what's going on and really like after that it was it was probably a month where I was just like man why is this happening why does this keep happening to me but for me, I just saw it as another challenge to to rise above and, um, you know, fight that adversity and, and come out stronger. And I think in the end, I, I did. So it, it was a good thing. Well, your parents did an awesome job with you as a as a human being. I mean, your personality is yeah. just unbelievable, man. I mean, and, and to watch you mature, although you was mature when I first met you, <laughs> you know, but just to watch you mature and now be married and have a family. I mean, man, it's a, just an awesome feel. But what is your advice to a young fella that's coming up who wants to play big time? They really want to play big time. And BYU just happens to be on their list. It doesn't matter. And all the other schools that are out there, but What's your advice to that young man who really and truly want to play football, but he's having problems in a classroom? I mean, what type of focus does he need to pay attention to in order to be that super solid athlete that you were? Well, I think the the first, you know, purpose there is, is if they're struggling in schools to find help. You know, there's there's enough resources now available to, you know, students that are, you know, struggling or falling behind. Go see your teacher. Go talk to your teacher. Let them know this is what you're struggling with. Maybe they have a, you know, a, a TA that can help, you know, study, study with you or just get you caught up. But, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you know, your grades, you can be the best player in the world. I knew a lot of great athletes, but they didn't have good grades. So they, you know, had to go JUCO or where they were a D1 athlete from the start. And then, you know, something happens at JUCO where they don't get the grades and then they fizzle out and they're done. So I think really like establish that your grades, if you want to play college football, your grades got to be in check. Like that's, that's super important. And then obviously you just have, you got to put in the work, you know, on the field, um, you know, to, to raise your game to the next level, to, to get to that point. Well, I'm, I'm finished with you, but I do recall one thing before I turn you over to uh, Mr. Pearsaw. And that is, you know, a lot of people find themselves in high school practicing uh, three, four, five hours a day. Now there's some things that are in place to kind of kind of control those out of control coaches. 
But in college, there's a lot of stuff that's going on as well. But you said something to me a long time ago, and I was asking you, how much practice do you all put in at BYU? I mean, I watch you run your routes not only in high school, but in college. I can take your routes and write them out on a pencil, and you're doing 90-degree turns running your routes. They're so crisp. So how is it that BYU plays at that level, but they don't practice that much? What's going on over there in Provo, Utah? Well, the only day we don't practice is Sunday. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, most most schools on Sunday are, you know, coming in after a game and, you know, they're doing film. They're doing some kind of um, going over the previous game, watching film of the next week and usually doing some kind of conditioning. Uh, BYU is a church owned school. And so Sundays were always off for us. So Mondays really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) But during the course of a day, how many hours would you all practice during the day? Uh, like what, during like the season? Yeah, during the season. I don't know. We're, you know, you're usually having like an you know, hour and a half meeting and then, you know, two-hour practice. Okay, okay. Well, man, all I can tell you is that I, I don't – it looked like you was practicing nine hours, 12 hours a day the way you was running your routes. But you were an exceptional athlete and – a superhuman being. So I appreciate everything. And I'm turning you over to the Pearsaw, man. I'm, I'm sure he got some big time questions for you. All right. Richard Wilson, a.k.a. R. Will, a.k.a. R. Dub, a.k.a. Richie Rich, a.k.a. Big Rich, a.k.a. Tight End Extraordinaire, a.k.a. The Storming Mormon, a.k.a. <laughs> Mr. BYU. <laughs> A.K.A. Mr. Utah, A.K.A. Mr. Cougar, A.K.A. Incredible Smile, and some call him Bud. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Rick. <laughs> oh, what's up, Evie? Oh, man, good to have you on the show. Good to see you smile. You brightened my day, and I was so excited to have you on. You know, I remember, you know, back when uh, you were indoctrinated into being a part of the Watkins family, one of the things that Tyrone talks about is the fact that we've touched so many different areas. And at that time, we had had not come even close to touching any athletes in Utah, you being the first and right now, even the only. And so uh, not having seen you play in high school, but obviously seeing enough of you on film and then getting an opportunity to talk to people who knew you, you know, I didn't know what to expect. But when your family came in for the Watkins Award and you showed up, we're sitting there waiting for you. It was love at first sight. The yeah. opportunity to meet you, the opportunity to meet your mom and dad, Mother Mary, you know that was love at first sight. <laughs> I still haven't had my fried chicken. But, you know, the opportunity to meet your family, it didn't take me long to understand how even, I say even in Utah, but a place that we haven't been, um, an individual like you could be built in terms of having a great foundation, a great incubation, and a person that could actually accomplish the things that you were able to accomplish. I did one thing at your game that I've not done before and not done since. (laughs) So excited to see you play in in college. I actually showed up to the game, got out of my car, left it running, went to the whole football game, came back, and my car was all fogged up. (laughs) And I said, 
I guess I was a little excited here, wasn't I? <laughs> Only in Utah, man. Only in Utah. <laughs> Having grown up in Utah in your environment, and, and you know, obviously, um, I can't speak on this, but obviously we have people who look at our show from all over. Give me an idea that when you're in an environment like that, what you just talked about, you had to challenge the coach by allowing you not to be a lineman by racing the fastest person on the team and winning. How do you become such a great athlete and yet be so intent on making sure you keep that grade and so focused at both? One of the things we talk about with the Watkins Award is we don't settle for mediocrity at anything. And so how do you excel and have excellence, excellence at both in Utah? Honestly, like, I think it was the, the kids I the kids I hung out with were really good kids. And we were all like very goal driven. And obviously, just like the support system I had of really good coaches, uh, really good parents, really good grandparents, just everyone around me was was super supportive and gave me tons of advice, like growing up that, you know, I, I took to heart. And it's just kind of molded me who I who I became. Excellent, excellent. Now, you know, give me an idea if you could think of one or maybe two, um, because we always like to kind of bring it back to those individuals who may be looking at the show that can identify with it. But we also want them to know that someone as great as you was able to overcome it so that they don't have an excuse. Give me an idea of one or two obstacles that you had to overcome in high school as you made your journey into being who you were before you even got to BYU. Wow. Well. Obviously, like when you as you start being recruited, like you kind of just don't know what to do. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a weird like process, like making film. Like I see, like how now, like kids all have their film on, like on Huddle, and they can edit it and go through, and it's super easy. I mean, back when I was growing up, we had to do it ourselves, and we had to stop it on a you know little VHS and write down the times and have someone edit it out for us. So obviously, the resources were. <laughs> that was hard is like getting your name out there and start like sending film out knowing where to send it to like the kids now they ha like have it easy like the right. resources are all there for them so that was one you know difficult thing you know just get, how, how do I get a hold of coaches how do I get a hold of like who's in charge of my area um and just stuff like that so yeah. that's probably the biggest one Give me an idea where you had to overcome an obstacle in high school, and you can even go into college if, since obviously you're trying to go back in some years, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, where you had to make a decision to go right or left. You made the decision to go right, and then you look back at it and said, I made the right decision, and these things would have really steered me in the wrong direction. You know, influences, individuals, friends, peers. When were you in a situation where you had to make a decision on what you were going to do and you decided to go right, which was the correct decision? Probably just me going to BYU. I mean, being from Utah, like, I think Utah's like come a long ways in the past 13 years as far as like recruits and kids coming out of here. But when I was there, I think 2009 is the year I graduated. That was like the first year we had a lot of big recruits in the state of Utah that went and played all over. And so there was a lot of pressure. Like as I started getting these offers from LSU and I started getting offers from Miami um, and all these big schools, it was like, everyone was telling me what to do. Even if they, you know, didn't even know me. 
you know? And so being pushed and like, and I'm telling people I'm probably going to go to BYU. They're like, why would you go to BYU? Like, That's stupid. <laughs> and even today it happens today. You know, I, you know, some of the, the clients I work with, we start talking, get to know each other and they're hearing the places I could have gone to school. They're like, and you went to BYU? Like, and so that, I think that was the hardest and most stressful time for me as a 17 year old kid to, to have all these coaches calling me, sending me letters, telling me how great I am and how bad they want me and having all these other random people tell me where I should go. And that was hard. That was tough. But I, I look back on it and obviously like each path, each school had its own path. And it's kind of weird to think about that way, but each school had its own path, its own journey. I chose this one and I wouldn't change it for the world, man. Like, obviously there was, there were some things that didn't work out for me. Um, but by me staying here, you know, I made great friends, great friendships, great connections, um, you know, through the alma mater my wife, I would probably be married to her and I wouldn't have my two kids, man. So when I look back on it, like I'm super happy with the decision I made and I couldn't ask, you know, for more. Oh, excellent. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Just as a Watkins man would now on a low key, at that time, and you mentioned it with, and I, I live in Maryland, I'm in Baltimore, uh, and so I know who, who Pitta is. But BYU was sort of that, that tight end university. You guys were putting them out. People wouldn't even know who they were until they got to the team, and all of a sudden, you know, they're Pro Bowl bound or they're one of the leading tight ends in the country. And so you did your homework, and obviously uh, it was a school that you felt would fit uh, what you were trying to accomplish. But I got to tell you, one of the things that always amazed me, let's talk about the physical part of it, is that you were out there playing with grown-ass men. <laughs> you were out there playing against guys that were 22, 23, 24-year-olds when you were just 17, 18, and 19. How on earth do you compete against, against these grown-ass men at the college level? Yeah, it's it's weird to think about when you, when you, when you say it, and it's kind of weird to think about <laughs> because I remember being – you know, just turning 18 and I got permission from the, from BYU or the NCAA to start um, working out early with BYU because I live so close and going in the locker room and seeing some of the guys and get to know them. I remember talking to a guy that had graduated high school in 2002. I finished in 2009 and that was the same guy that I was competing against for a tight end position, <laughs> seven years older than me. <laughs> Uh, a lot wow. of guys. A lot of guys were married. A lot of guys had kids, so it was definitely, it was definitely an interesting dynamic in the locker room for sure. Yeah, but you were able to compete and overcome. How mentally do you say to yourself, "I know this guy's seven years older than me, but we're gonna bang and I'm gonna come out on top"? How do you do that? I just said I had fresh legs because a lot of those guys, <laughs> a lot of those guys would would leave for two years and go on a church service mission, and where they couldn't work out, they couldn't do anything except you know teach the the te- teachings of the church um so a lot of those guys came back you know i think it benefited some of them once they got back in shape but right, right away they always struggled a little bit to to get back in shape so i love that what you did was you created a mental way of internalizing what their weakness would be and you said okay here's why i'm better and here's why i'll overcome so throughout the years and throughout your transition from high school to college into your professional realm you were one of the persons, especially when we had the Watkins Award out, out in L.A. Uh, for the year you were there and many after, 
you never missed. You came back every year, year in and year out. I could count on you being in my presence and having an opportunity to genuinely spend some quality time with you. What has the Watkins Award meant to you in your journey, in your life? I mean, it was like, obviously, like, when the Watkins, you know, you guys first uh, sent me the package, like, I had no idea about what this was, how you guys found me. Um, But over the years, like, I've got to meet and experience things and conversations with so many wonderful people from the Watkins Award that I'm so grateful for. Like, at the end of the day, like, this is really what it's about, is, like, making these connections. I mean, getting to know all these people, all these athletes, you know, getting to know the people that are on the board. Um, I love that we did, you know, that, that call earlier this summer with all the alumni. That was super, yeah. super awesome and, and hearing guys talk. So just like it, it kind of brought back that, that camaraderie of like uh, in the locker room that you have. And that's like the biggest thing that, you know, you can, you can text me or call me whenever I haven't talked to you for a couple months. And it's like, we haven't skipped, missed a beat, you know? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Now. Um, and, and again, we're drawing to a close or getting close to it. One of the things I always like to give our audience the ability to really hear is the fact that here's an individual that was destined for the NFL. Uh, the NFL piece of it didn't work out, but being prepared in the classroom and making sure that you paid just as much attention to making sure that you were educated, building your character and doing all the things that Watkins actually recognized kind of puts you in a position when you had to make a tough decision to transition. And you had to say, okay, there's how, here's how I can pivot given the circumstances, and be successful. Give us an idea of what you're doing now professionally and what you're doing for the community there in Utah. I know you've got a family now and some beautiful kids and a beautiful wife, but there's some other things that you did leading up to that that were real special as well. Give us an idea of who, what you're doing now and some of the things you've done in your community. Yeah, so uh, currently the past uh, about four and a half years, I've been working for a company called Zimmer Biomet. We're a huge orthopedic company. Um, and so I'm a sales rep for them. I sell orthopedic implants uh, to orthopedic surgeons. Um, so I knock on surgeons' doors all day and try to get them to use my products on, you know, mainly total joint replacements. Um, but I do a ton of like sports medicine, uh, rotator cuff tears, ACL repairs. And it's something I've really fallen in love with and, and enjoy a lot. So what was your other question? And then what are some of the things that you've done in the community, you know, when obviously you're running around working 80 hours a week on a job? I know it because I talk to you frequently enough where I know you're in this call, you're in this surgery, you're running to this hospital, you're in this convention and doing all those different types of things. Even over the past number of years, you've actually done some things in the community as well. Yeah. So, you know, I've had the the high school coach banging on my door all the time. You're going to come out and coach. You're going to come out. I'd love to. That's probably the plan, like the five-year plan to get into coaching and get back to the community that way. Um, but one of the more recent things I did is me and one of my former high school teammates, um, Isaac Asiata, uh, played up at the University of Utah and then for the Miami Dolphins and spent a little time with the Buffalo Bills. Um, during COVID, um, when all the Michael Floyd stuff was going down, um, me and Isaac, who is a now a cop, got together wow. and went back and spoke to our high school about, you know, some of the problems that are going on in America and some of the experiences we both had. He's a Polynesian kid, big, dark kid. Um, 
just different things that have happened to us in our lives because of the way we look, um, different encounters we got ourselves into. Because um, the town we're from is 99% white. You know, a lot of these kids didn't have the same experiences me and him did. And so we went back and, you know, spent some good time with the team, kind of just talking to them, trying to get them to see it from a different perspective. Because there was a lot of hate going on during that time. And a lot of kids confused and a lot of people that just aren't educated, you know. Um, and so that was something that I, I really cherished. And, you know, I try to do things like that from time to time when I when I can. Oh, that's awesome, man. Very, very powerful. And, you know, for me to hear that warms my heart because I know that you guys really go through a journey, but you have something that can actually change the lives of hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of youth. And your journey is really, really special. One last thing before I turn you back over to Coach Tate. If you had one phrase that you've either lived by or you've heard a coach tell you or something that you would just impart as one message that you would give to some kids or some youth that were out there listening today, uh, what would that one phrase or one line or one thought be to help them to continue to press forward for excellence? Some, the first thing that popped in my head was, uh, I don't even know where I heard it. I heard it during my time in college, um, but it was a little quote that said, he is able who thinks he is able. And that's always stuck with me. I actually got a tattooed on my arm, so it's never leaving now. <laughs> but, you know, it's really what you want, you can accomplish. You just have to trust you can do it, put yourself in the right position to do it, and, and work your butt off. Richie Rich, Richie Rich! You know, I'm happy to have you on the show, man. This has been extremely, me, extremely fun to have you on the show. At this time, I'll turn you back over to Coach Tate. All right. I'm blown out of the water here. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say after just listening to uh, Rich, man. And, Rich, I want to tell you, before you got on the show, I told uh, Everett, I try to make him jealous sometimes. That I'm still wearing the shirt that you gave me. It looks nice, I man. I got this shirt, and I still can wear this shirt. So <laughs> I want to thank you. And I got the BYU Stadium behind me. So I wanted all those parents and, of course, those young men and some young women who just may want to go to BYU. But I wanted them to at least see the stadium so they can see the mountainsides. Beautiful in the in the background of the stadium but Richard there's no other person man that got your type of character I'm humbled by the type of person that you are man I'm just telling you from the bottom of my heart and I know Everett will concur man that you just you know thank you for being an awesome person man your personality I hope that your company recognizes that sometime at some point that they got a real special person. The sky's the limit with you. I mean, it's no doubt the sky's the limit. I hear ready to get out of here. Okay, I want to tell everyone, thank you for stopping by the Watkins Award today. We had our special guest, Richard Wilson. Thank you so much, Richard. Man, I can't even thank you enough. I got J. Everett Pierce song already, man, you got you know, and, and hey, I'm T Tate. You know, the coach extraordinaire that just love, just love, just love to see the awesome athletes. But in this case, 
and always with the Watkins Award, the awesome Tyler Atkins that we bring to the table. And again, thank you, Richard Wilson, for being here with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you guys. Come here, brother. We're out of here. See you next Monday. Put your mind to it